1: It's the B Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio.
2: And online at SBNationLive.com.
1: Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's Coach Nick.
3: Hey, sports fans, it's Coach Nick here. And another edition of the B Ball Breakdown is upon you in your earballs, all across the internet, streaming on any kind of FM station that might be in your market on SB Nation Radio. Glad to be here. I am the man with the plan behind the whole idea of B ball breakdown. It's a YouTube channel. It's Twitter, it's Facebook, it's Instagram, it's everything else.com with fantastic articles every day uh, now analyzing the NBA. So definitely go over there and check that out. We have a great show coming up for you today. Action Packed. We got Jeff Diepenbrock. My man with the plan over at Georgia State University is the video coordinator there. And he has two draft picks to keep your eye on that got I want the radar a little bit. And I want to, we're to spotlight two of those guys who you should keep your eye on to see how they develop because they could really help with their teams. Dave Dufour joins, joins us from the road as he's driving back the long trip from Montana all the way back to uh, San Antonio. So we're going to talk with him about where LeBron is going and uh, whether or not uh, Nikola Jokic is worth his max contract that it looks like they're trying to try and sign uh, with him soon. Uh, then we're going to bring on Paul Garcia to talk about the Kawhi Leonard situation in San Antonio. Lots of moving parts, lots of gossip and innuendo to go through to figure out what's the real deal and what's really going to happen with him. On the video front, I did an awesome video for the top three steals of the draft. Three guys who are really great values for their teams are going to come in and help hopefully right away. But even in the next few years, if they develop like they should at where they're picked, it's a steal grand larceny, even. So definitely don't miss that over on our YouTube channel. It's great stuff. What else do we have to talk about today? Um, We also have a shooting video that you can get for free because when I'm not breaking down the NBA, I am sitting there staring and analyzing and breaking down the jump shot and how you should be shooting, how you should be scoring. So I have a really great free video that you guys can get your hands on. And it's not a a, a hard thing to remember as far as what link you need to go to, but it's bit.ly. So it's bit.ly slash shooting. So bit.ly slash b-ball shooting will get you to a place where you can get a free video on how to score better. And from there, you can get on the mailing list and get a lot more tips every day. So don't go anywhere, sports fans. We've got a lot coming up on the show. And this is Coach Nick, and you're listening to the B-Ball Breakdown.
1: the b-ball breakdown with coach nick on sb nation radio coming to you live from the o'reilly auto parts studios here's coach nick
3: and sports fans we are back as always it's coach nick here this is the b-ball breakdown talking nba we've had a lot of uh, interesting picks from the nba draft and lots of uh, coverage has gone on across the entire nba sphere we did some podcasts already so don't miss Paul Cardi coming on and talking about that from ESPN, giving us some insights into the, some of the top picks. But I thought it'd be cool to do uh, a little of an analysis on some of the picks we might not be that familiar with and some guys are not talking about too much. So no person better to bring on this show than Jeff Diepenbrock, my man with a plan over at Georgia State University as the video coordinator who watches arguably more film than I do. Uh, <laughs> let's bring him on. Jeff, thank you for joining us today.
0: Well, first of all, I don't know about that, but, uh, yeah.
3: (laughs) Well, yeah, you stayed in my house for a couple days. You saw, you know, I don't know, man. I I tend to think that if your title is video coordinator, then you might might watch. You're watching film when I'm taking my daughter down to camp in San Pedro for two hours.
0: That's fair. That's fair.
3: (laughs) So yes, it's like in that scene with, uh, in he got game when uh, uh, Denzel Washington is yelling at his teenage kid. Who's, you know, no one else is Michael Jordan out here practicing in the midnight, you know, in the middle of the night, right? You know, same thing. So anyway, well, let's get into some of the players we want to talk about who might not be talked about so so much. Uh, I know that you have your eye on a couple guys that really should probably get some some uh, more eyeballs. So who do you want to talk about first?
0: Yeah, so I, I saw two guys in each, you know, in the total draft, one in the first and one in the second. I thought that were really interesting under the radar picks. Uh, first one would be in the first round, and that would be Amari Spellman, who went 30th overall to the Hawks out of Villanova.
3: Aha. So we know him, at least certainly we know Villanova, because they've had a couple of enchanted runs to the finals and winning the NCAA tournament under Jay Wright. So right. I think the one thing we know about that program is that it does a terrific job with player development. Those guys right. should be ready, ready to go out the gate um, in the NBA from day one, right? Right,
0: right. yeah. So Jay Wright is probably the best in the country at developing uh, just players in general. I mean, Spellman is a guy that dropped 50 pounds since his senior year of high school. Um, and then, you know, if he didn't do that, he would have a hard time playing on the floor, but a guy that drops 50 pounds, that shows a lot of work ethic, you know, and guys like that tend to tend to have good careers in the NBA, guys that want to get in the gym and do the extra things, and I just heard nothing but good things about the kid, you know, just from other coaches, uh, but yeah, he's. I think he's a, he could be a single at 30 with the Hawks, with the way they want to play and just shooting threes.
3: For sure. Now he's a, a one and done, I guess. So is he a is he a true freshman?
0: Right, yeah. So he was a uh, he was a true freshman last year, but uh he was a top ten kid coming out of high school and it's amazing that he was like that. He still had he was a little bit overweight, um and then he dropped all that all that uh all that weight and I um, mean he shot forty three percent from three, six nine, uh he's got seven two wingspan. Um, he's not unathletic Um you know, I think defensively there's some things that he's going to struggle with, you know, primarily in switch situations. Um, and I think he'll, he'll definitely struggle with that at the beginning of his career at least. But he's a guy that, with the way that the, that the Hawks want to play and they got the best shooter at the, the one, the two, and the five position arguably in the draft, he's a great fit. Um, and I, I would compare him to a guy like a Brad Miller.
3: Okay, I like that. Yeah, he's, he's not as big as Brad Miller was, but certainly right. he, he kind of looks a little bit like that realm. And I, I really love the way he can spot up on the perimeter, and he seems right. really comfortable. So I would imagine, yeah, a lot of pick and pops. I, you know, I don't think he's going to get any sort of five dribble iso post-ups down low anyway. So it feels sure. to me like he's going to get a lot of pick and pops, a lot of cuts off of drives and finishes. Uh, how is he finishing at the rim?
0: Yeah, he, he's he's a good finisher at the rim. Um I wouldn't say he's he's great. Uh, he, you know, obviously, he's not on the level of a DeAndre Ayton or Marvin Bagley. Um, but, you know, with the way that they played, um, you know, a lot of times he was just hanging out on the perimeter, and it, it really made it, you know, with the, his ability to shoot the ball, it made it really tough and going over to guard, um, at, you know, especially in the NCAA tournament. When you're in that one-game playoff, I mean, these teams haven't seen a five-man that is a, a shooter on the perimeter. You know, I talked to a buddy that coaches at Radford, and they played them in the first round. And, they, you know, they were kind of hanging around for a little bit. And then Stillman hit a couple threes, and they're sitting there like, man, we, there's, we got no chance. You know, because he's a he's guy who's probably like fourth or fifth on the scouting report for Villanova. You know what I mean? And a guy like that just really changes the complexion of your defense.
3: Yeah, and then and then you know it says a lot about Villanova that the, the their fourth or sorry their fifth option pretty much is a first round draft pick barely, and sure. let's move on to the second round because we got another player that, you, that really is uh, in the weeds here that people probably don't know too much about. And so tell us who you want to identify here.
0: Yeah, um, I thought of a guy by the name of Kyrie Thomas that got drafted. Um, I think it was thirty seventh to the to the Pistons, and he's another guy. That just got to where he is, just by working. You know, um, my buddy Tim McAllister, who's an excellent basketball coach, he's a video coordinator over at Creighton, and he said, man, when they took him, you know, they, they sometimes they questioned if they thought he was even good enough to play. Um, and he's a guy that just got in the gym and really improved his game. He's, he, he said, he's one of the top three kids that he's ever coached. Wow. Um, you know, and that you know, in terms of coachability, obviously the talent's there, but in terms of coachability and want to get in the gym type stuff, um, at Easy Coach's Dream, and the, like I said about Spellman, like those are the guys that last in the NBA. You know, they have careers because they can carve out a role, and they're willing to buy into a role. And Kyrie's he's six three, um, but he's got a, a massive wingspan, six nine wingspan. Um, two-time big East defensive player of the year. Um, and the guy that coach McAllister compared him to is a guy like Trevor Riza, um, who is going to be able to guard. He, he's going to want to guard the best player. And that's who I think he would start out off of, uh, you know, he can guard one through three excellent defense, uh, tough guy. Um, and a guy that can really shoot the ball as well. Um, you know, has some has some areas to improve. You know, especially with the ball in his hands and making plays for others. But the kid, it, it, he's a coach's dream, and the, like those are the guys that make a career of themselves in the NBA. And everything that I've heard about him, you know, it sounds like he's going to be able to do that.
3: Sure. I mean, he looks like the prototypical three and D guy who, correct, yeah, who can match up against point guards and, and shooting guards. Maybe you know, with that with that wingspan, maybe a small forward or two. But then I love the idea that he can spot up and just sort of be an elite shooter. Uh, do we have any qualms? I'm looking at his form right now, and I really like the way he shoots the ball. He's got nice sway, good rhythm, good turn, good alignment. Um, right. It, it doesn't seem like he will have too much struggle to move back that four feet to get behind the pro line, right?
0: Right, yeah, and I think that, see, the thing with with the way that Creighton plays is uh, Coach McDermott down there is one of the best coaches in the country, and he kind of adjusted his style, you know, he used to kind of slow it, you know, slow it down and kind of grind out possession by possession, but... They started playing much faster this year, you know, and Villanova, another team that plays really fast, but they shoot a lot of threes. You know, Kyrie kind of thrived in that environment you know, going for threes in transition um, and spotting up. And, you know, that's the way the NBA is played right now. You know, a guy like that, I think, can really carve out a role in the NBA and, and find minutes as a young guy, um, you know, coming out of a second round. That's all you can really ask for in a guy. You know, I think he has a chance to have a good career.
3: Yeah, I mean also a guy like Budenholzer will probably love that that and really value that and and, and will see it. I think maybe other uh, coaches who don't play rookies often and kind of dismiss that uh, might might bury him and never give him a chance. But it looks like Budenholzer would definitely would be the kind of guy that'd say, "Oh, we could use this." And certainly with the way the Pistons season went, they they, you know, having an influx of talent and new guys is probably a good thing for them.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure what Dwayne Casey plans on really running there.
3: Oh my god, did I say um, Budenholzer? Yeah, you know, whoops
0: oh yeah you were were talking about with uh, Milwaukee I'm sure oh my gosh I mean Dwayne Casey like I mean the way that they had played the last few years is kind of just sharing the sugar and making more passes at least this past year and I don't know. I think it kind of depends on the personnel they have. Um, Yeah, but
3: either way, and again, forgive me, wow, has a major brain problem, but uh, certainly what we (laughs) did see with Casey was a willingness to play young guys, and they certainly developed pretty well in the little uh, roles that they did have over in Toronto. So that actually is encouraging that he isn't stuck, because he would be the kind of prototypical coach who's like, oh, I'm not going to play rookies. But he does, and he's developed those, so definitely looking forward to seeing how that uh, progresses. And uh, yeah, well, thank you so much, Jeff, for coming on and breaking that down for us. And don't go anywhere, yeah. sports fans. We have a great, great show coming up for you after a word from our sponsors. If you're anything like me, then you're all too familiar with crushing credit card debt at outrageous interest rates. I try to just put it out of my mind and make whatever payments I can and ignore the fact that I might never finish paying it off. But that can all change now. Lightstream allows you to lower that interest rate and consolidate your debt so you can finally get a handle on your finances. If you have good credit, you can get a credit card consolidation loan anywhere from $5,000 to $100,000 at a 5.89% APR with auto Better yet, if you go to lightstream.com slash breakdown, you'll get an additional interest rate discount, all with no fees. The only way to get this discount is to visit L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash breakdown. So lift the burden of debt off your shoulders, get some breathing room, and visit Lightstream today. Subject to credit approval. Rate includes 0.5% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit Lightstream.com for more information.
1: It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick.
3: And we're back, sports fans. It's Coach Nick here. This is the B-Ball Breakdown every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern on SB Nation Radio and across the FM dial on whatever SB Nation Radio station you might have in your market. So we're talking a lot of NBA this week, lots of things coming up and going on and to discuss. So I thought we should get into a little bit of the LeBron decision, part two. And let's bring on best friend of the breakdown, Dave Dufour at Dave Dufour NBA to discuss what LeBron is thinking, where his uh, options are, and what might happen. So Dave, on the road, thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, I'm here in beautiful eastern Colorado.
3: All right, you were driving, on, you were driving to back to the San Antonio, right?
2: That's right, yeah. I've, I've been up in Montana hanging out with uh, Phil Jackson for the last few weeks.
3: Oh, great. <laughs> how, uh, how long is this trip going to be for you to drive back? It's about
2: 26 hours, but it's, it's fun. It's me and the dog, and we're in the van and having a good time.
3: All right, all right. Well, safe tra- travels, my friend. And let's talk about LeBron because he's going to be traveling somewhere. I mean, I think the bottom line is from all we're hearing – It definitely just feels like he is gone, right? Does that feel like that to you? You know, I've gone back
2: and forth all year. Uh, You know, initially I thought, oh, there's no way he's leaving. Then I was, by Christmas, I was like, oh, he's gone. Then they made all the trades, and I was like, oh, he's back in. And now, I don't know. Like, it feels like he's going to be gone. Like, it definitely feels like L.A. is happening. Uh, Every report I've heard is, is very much LeBron is making this decision. More about his family and less about basketball. More about quality of life and less about winning championships and things like that. You know, and, and to be honest, like, I, I wish more guys would take in quality of life uh, when they made these free agent decisions. You know, is this a place that you want to live? Is this the kind of environment you want to be in? So I hope that this is r- real. Like, I hope this reporting is accurate. and This is what he's actually doing just for LeBron James, a human being. Well, selfishly.
3: You know, the time, I, I th- wanted th- to stay in th- the East. <laughs> Right, uh, fair enough. Because here is the thing: I mean, he's already won two, so in, in, from that perspective, I could see him sort of being like, "Okay, I am going to tail end of my career, and uh, I can let's make a decision like that." Whereas in twenty ten, he was completely motivated to win a title, uh, and that's what sort of influenced his decision. So I, I guess I can see that. Now it's hard to tell that to someone who's twenty seven or twenty six, and you know, is a great player like Durant. Let's say, right? He 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 would probably end up choosing a title over quality of life, right?
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and, again, LeBron has played 15 seasons. He's a Hall of Famer. He is, uh, you know, arguably the, the best player to ever play. You know, if at worst, he's in everyone's top three. Right. So, you know, I don't think he's got anything left to prove at this point, which is, you know, more where, where I think some of this stuff is coming from. It's You know, it's – I mean, it's a little bit refreshing. We, we talk about wanting our players to be empowered, and this is the ultimate in empowerment. It's being able to choose where you want to go. Choose how much you get paid. Choose your teammates. You know, choose the city. Choose everything. Right? Like this is this is it. This is the peak. Yeah. And and the beauty of this is, I actually think he'll be able to make this decision without facing any sort of backlash. Yeah. Um. You know, he's he's insulated already. Brought a championship to Cleveland, so the Cleveland fans won't hate him. Not to mention there have been some organizational miscues there that have uh, that will kind of uh, keep him from taking any blame. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I it feels like L.A. is gonna happen. I, sure. I don't know why.
3: I just that's my gut. All right. And by the way, I think I said he won two. I mean, he, he won three. He won two in Miami and one with Cleveland. So forgive me, uh, LeBron fans. Um. So here's my thing, because uh, with that in mind, it kind of changes with my thought process, which was there was no way he was gonna go to L.A. unless both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Uh, ended up in L.A., were there to join him uh, because he wouldn't want to waste a year on Ingram and Kuzma and Ball developing, which I believe they can develop into something really, really good, uh, but it would probably take at least another year. So maybe that kind of puts the damper on that whole plan, that idea where maybe he'd come anyway. But see, see that, is that what you're thinking, like he would be willing to play with this young core?
2: Well, I think that if LeBron shows up, the Lakers are going to do whatever it takes to put a competitor on the court. Okay. Um, the Lakers could very easily sign LeBron and Paul George and trade for Kawhi Leonard. It is not outside the realm of possibility. Uh, it's just, what are they willing to give up for Kawhi? Are they, you know, are they going to be able to get the Spurs to take on Luo Zhang Are they going to have to wave and stretch him? You know, like there's a lot of different moving parts, but you know, our, our friend Eric Pinkus has kind of laid this out there for the last few months and, uh, I do think that there's a way to get lebron get paul george trade for Kawhi and have a team that you know is right there in the conversation with the golden state warriors as far as talent goes now uh will will lebron want to deal with the lonzo ball show or i guess i should say the lavar ball show uh, i don't know but uh i, I do think that the, the lakers have pieces they can move they can get a competitor together pretty easily uh remember Trev- trevor Reese is going to be a free agent this summer I mean, there, there are guys out there that that could really contribute to a winning team.
3: That's that is true. That is very interesting. Um, I, I'm trying to picture that because it would be too bad. I, I would think, you know, Alonzo Ball could would benefit from playing with LeBron. We know that they they have some sort of relationship, them two, uh, not the father. I don't know, but uh, that would be interesting because what would be the starting five? You're talking about Ball, then um, you have um, Paul George, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard. Um, that leaves they need a center, I think, right?
2: Well, so in my mind, uh, Lonzo would be gone, and, and so you know, I would love to see a Kawhi, Paul George, LeBron, Trevor Ariza, and a and a big. I think that could be interesting. Nerlens Noel, has, you know, has got some uh, relationship to LeBron through Clutch Sports. Um, he's going to be out there and probably be cheap. Maybe Brooke Lopez wants to come back and and you know, on the cheap and and uh, you know, play for a for what's going to be a championship competitor. Um, but that, that's a team that, like, I mean, you want to talk about positional versatility and being able to switch one through five. I mean, that, that would be incredible. Um, it's obviously it's a long shot, a lot of moving parts, but I, I mean, the Lakers are the front runners to get Kawhi. I, I have to think they were front runners to get Paul George and LeBron. I mean, it, you know, they haven't been in this position in quite a while.
3: Right, I guess the biggest issue now is where the Spurs uh, even dare trade into the Lakers. Uh, we've heard reports that they wouldn't, and I know we're, we're talking about that with uh, coming up with Paul Garcia. But c- certainly, um, you know, my take on it is is that the Lakers have the, the most to offer uh, the Spurs for Kawhi.
2: Absolutely, but if you're the Lakers and you and you're pretty sure you can just sign Kawhi as a free agent next summer, do you, how much do you give up? And but if you're the Spurs. How do you not take whatever the best deal available is? You know, this idea that they won't trade him into the West is kind of silly. And, you know, I, I just that's that's a very old school mentality. Like, we're all smarter than this. You got to take the best available deal. And, and, you know, with the Spurs aren't necessarily going to be if they get get rid of Kawhi, I don't think they're going to be championship competitors for a while. So you got to take the best package. And if that's, you know, if you can get Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma and a pick, you're doing really well. I mean, uh, you know, Brandon Ingram was a number two pick a couple of years ago and has looked really good. So, I mean, he may, he may be a guy that develops into your superstar of the future. Yeah. And Kuzma was all rookie of the year. Um, he was on the, you know, rookie of the year, all, all rookie first team or whatever. You know, Kuzma is a guy, he, he's going to get you points. I think he's going to be a guy who could score somewhere between 15 and 18 a night for 10 years. You know, like, so those are, those are good pieces. And, and, you know, whether you hang on to them or you flip them for something bigger – Uh, I think the Spurs have got to just take whatever the best deal is. And if that one's on the table, you got to jump at it. But I don't think they've they've gotten that sort of deal
3: yet. And and those two guys uh, reek of the kind of Spurs players that they would be able to get even more out of in their system. So uh, let's pivot, though, to other players because there's some other news as far as uh, the Nuggets are concerned, and that is that Nikola Jokic, uh, and the Nuggets look like they're getting close to figuring out how to make a, a, a max deal happen for him. And so I'm curious your thoughts on how that plays out and whether or not you think that's a good deal for, uh, for all parties
1: involved.
2: Well, I definitely think Nikola Jokic is a franchise center, and, and you know the market dictates that's a max. And so he's getting a max. Um, it's going to be tough for the Nuggets because it puts them into a, an awkward tax situation. They're going to have to get off some money, uh, probably you know why you're, you're, you're hearing Farid and a pick be floated out there. Uh, Darrell Arthur's another guy they're going to want to move. I'm sure they're listening on, on Plumlee, but, uh, you know, good luck moving that 13 million a year. Um, but yeah, Jokic, I mean, you know, he's the fulcrum of your offense. He's your most, most important player. Um, not as bad on defense as it appears, you know, when you, when you actually dig in a little bit, he's not a complete, you know, liability on defense. Um, but what he brings to the table offensively is just special, I and mean, his ability to create for others from the elbow, and, and you know he can step out and shoot the three himself, and he, he's fantastic in the post. So uh, yeah, he's definitely a max player. That's a no-brainer. If he had hit the open market, you know he he would have gotten at least what he's getting from the Nuggets. You know, I, I, like any team that that needed a center would throw a max offer at Nikola Jokic.
3: And and then it's clear to you that this is going to happen, he will accept the maximum, he wants it from the Denver Nuggets?
2: Uh, Yeah, I believe so. I I think that, you know, unlike the Chandler Parsons situation, uh, when the Rockets let him out, uh, you know, and made him a a restricted free agent and and he signed with the Mavericks, um, This, you know, I I think that the Nuggets have a good working relationship with his agent and, and they're working things out, I'm sure, that, that was a There was a lot of discussion all year about, hey, this is our plan going forward.
3: Absolutely. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I think we've forgotten the, they didn't make the playoffs. They kind of fell off the radar toward the end there, but uh, which is too bad because I feel like if Jokic had been in the playoffs this year, uh, he would have awoken every, everybody across the NBA landscape to how good he really is. and I Because I've forgotten too. I mean, the guy can get a rebound and dribble a ball up and then throw a, a, a great dime all in one play from the high post for a layup.
2: Yeah, and it's easy to forget how good this team was. You know, they just missed the playoffs, and they were without Paul Millsap for a large portion of the season. So, you know, one of their best players was out. I mean, this was their huge free agent signing last summer, and he was out for, you know, over half the season. So, you know, this is a team I expect to to make the playoffs this year, I think. You know, they they stand to have a better record and do better this year just because of health, you know, unless they have more bad health luck. You know, they arguably could have been the three seed in the West if Millsap had been healthy all year. I mean, with how three through nine and ten was bunched together, I mean, it wouldn't have taken many, many bounces to get them there.
3: That's right. Well, great point all, and I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today, Dave, to break that stuff down for us. And don't go anywhere, sports fans. We're going to be back with lots more NBA content coming up right after these words from our sponsor.
1: It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick.
3: And we're back, sports fans, for another great segment on the B-Ball Breakdown. As always, it's Coach Nick here, joining you every Tuesday from or excuse me, from 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. And that's other times in the rest of the country, wherever you are. I'll rely on you to figure that out. And we're always streaming on SB Nation Radio and anywhere else on the FM dial that you are receiving this. So I am excited to talk about this next segment because it's on everyone's mind and it has a lot of connection to other players and free agency. So let's get into it with Paul Garcia, who's a Spurs beat writer for ProjectSpurs.com and a friend of the Breakdown. So, Paul, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, let's talk Kawhi Leonard.
4: Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Coach Nick, for uh, bringing me on. Let's give me this opportunity.
3: No problem. So... Listen, it's been a little bit of a long and sordid tale for over a year now. Uh, The Kawhi hasn't really played at all for that last, this past year. What's the latest on what we know with what his intentions are uh, in free agency? And, you know, actually not even free agency, excuse me. His intentions are for coming back to the Spurs or not?
4: Um, You know, from the Spurs' perspective, um, R.C. Buford on draft night basically said that the Spurs do want to keep him in their plans long term. He didn't give any kind of um, clarification on, on the trade rumors, on whether or not they're going to offer him Supermax. It was just – he just basically said they want Kawhi and his family to be part of the Spurs organization long term. But they will basically seek their options in the meantime. So basically, you know, we've heard the reports that they have been getting trade proposals. They've been putting those proposals on, on, their, on their board, but they're not actually engaging teams and, and, you know, actually getting into the real negotiations here.
3: Okay, fair enough. So they're kind of just like monitoring it, but they're not even – are they even answering the phone? Is that the question?
4: It appears they are answering the phone, at least. You know, it's changed. The tone's changed from the different reports that have come out. Um, you know, Originally, it was that they weren't even answering the phone. They weren't giving you any kind of um, you know, perspective on, on where they're at. But now they're at least saying to other teams, OK, give us your offers, and we'll kind of set them aside and, and pl- place them elsewhere. Uh, the only team that I've heard that, that we've seen reported that, that they had a bad interaction with was the Lakers, where basically it sounded like they basically almost hung up the phone on them. Oh, wow. And do we have any
3: other details as to why they, just, they wanted to hang up the phone?
4: Not, not necessarily. The, the word shouldn't be hang up the phone, but um, the, qu- the, sh- the call was very short. And it's really because, you know, this is obviously the team that publicly Kawhi wants to go to. This is where he wants to end up in L.A. He's um, he's kind of forcing the Spurs hand in terms of their leverage because he's already saying through the media that he was he will not resign elsewhere unless it's, um, you know, unless he gets traded to L.A. with the Lakers. OK, wow. So that's actually is that like on the record official? We know that that's what Kawhi wants to do. Not not through him. That's that's through that's through like Loge and some of the ESPN um okay. reporters and things like that. Yeah, nothing nothing's actually come from Kawhi's um, you know, actual mouth. He hasn't been on, on camera since March seventh. Um, and the same thing for the Spurs from their perspective. Everything's being reported through different outlets. Sure
3: enough, fair enough, fair enough. But it's kind of weird to think that like Kawhi has uh, you know a, a group of people around him who are leaking or whatever. But I suppose in the NBA, that's what the reality is these days. Even for someone who's kind of quiet and, and doesn't have a, an entourage, I, sus- I suspect. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about about the Kawhi um, perspective because you know how do we get to the point where. He went from the Darling of the Spurs and they developed him and really you know he's supposed to retire there, like in the same line as Tim Duncan. How do we get from there to why that he seems so upset that he just wants to get out?
4: It, you know, basically the the what's been reported here is that it's it's because of the injury situation with his right quadriceps, um, you know, quad injury basically. Uh, something happened in the, in the summertime where he came into training camp. And he was already seeking outside medical opinion. He basically felt that the Spurs have, have tried to force him to play, even though he wasn't feeling 100 percent OK. From the Spurs' perspective, all their medical testing has said, you're good to go. You know, we, we're not we're not trying to we're not trying to put you out there to get to get hurt in any kind of way. You know, you're a franchise player. But from Kawhi's perspective in his camp, uh, he felt that that the injury was still lingering. He, he didn't feel comfortable, so he saw one opinion outside early in, in the preseason. Then uh, by January, he switched doctors on his outside um, opinion. And then we've seen the back and forth through the media where Pop has basically said Kawhi and his group, you have to ask them when he's coming back. Uh, you know, there's been frustration on both sides. Kawhi's, Kawhi's camp says that he did want to come back, but he just couldn't because he was never 100%. From the Spurs' side, they, you know, they've, they've been saying they're not trying to rush him, but but their testing shows that he was fine and he was ready to play. But, you know, they did give him that that space to go to New York and, and, you know, rehab there. And now that the season's over, he's back in San Diego, uh, where reportedly he's close to 100% already. So, um, you know, it's just been um, over the over the, the the injury basically is where a lot of this started um, falling apart this relationship and then of course it didn't help that tony parker made that comment which was taken out of context where he says that he felt like his injury was 100 times worse and he came back quicker <laughs> and oh, then uh, mo- well, wait, mono- it,
3: well yeah. by the way so so that's what it, that's what it always looked like and i always sort of scratched my head wondering well, why tony parker wanted to be so uh, uh kind of rude or whatever the word would be uh, against a teammate so what was what was the context why why shouldn't it have been taken so poorly
4: yeah, it was. It's it's basically the headlines. You know, you know, aggregation took it to to the extreme. Basically, in just an off um, off day interview, the Spurs were off one day. Tony gave a You know, they asked Tony about Kawhi's injury, and he basically gave him like hope and like um and basically like guidance. He basically said, you know, we're really hoping for the best for him. We're, uh you know, I've I've had uh, injuries throughout the past. You got to stay strong. You know, give him a more motivation. Okay. But in that part, he did mention, you know, my inj- I ha- I'm injured too, and my mine was a hundred times worse. But Tony wasn't like saying it in any kind of sp- specific tone but when the aggregation sites took that headline they basically blasted it everywhere and that's where it became a story where everyone you know started talking about it all the
3: right all because the, uh, it, it sounded things. like tony wanted to be like this look at this wimp who's not coming back when I had a worse injury and I came back faster I think that was the idea right that came out of that
4: yeah that's basically what what it looks like on paper but yeah. when you actually go back and watch the video clip which you can find at different places um, you know it, you can tell that it was definitely taken out of context and of course that that headline got to Kawhi's side and of course that that's what now is reported that he's upset with Tony as well uh lately you've seen uh David Robinson kind of have some remarks about him Bruce Bowen former Spurs um and then even Mono Ginobili during the season uh was basically saying that he's not here he's not basically with the guys even when he's rehabbing like you know when you're when you're a leader you gotta you gotta kind of be around your teammates even if you're hurt and and so there was just all sorts of shots basically from Kawhi's side that he's seen that's being thrown at him right now.
3: Interesting. Interesting. Because usually, you know, the Spurs are so tight lipped from everybody across the board that you wouldn't ever hear uh, a thing like Tony Parker or what Manu said or any of these things. So I guess that's sort of indicative of how I don't want to know if the word desperate is the right word, but certainly uh, we've come a long way from what we're used to with the Spurs and how they deal with the media. Is that fair to say?
4: Yeah, it's 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 honestly like it's just like a a 360. I mean, everything they were the most they were the most secretive organization. And now you're seeing all these different reports. And it almost like like there was a few weeks ago where uh, it was reported by ESPN that Pop was heading to. To San Diego to meet with Kawhi, but then uh, Yahoo reported that he already met with Kawhi that day. It's almost like that DeAndre Jordan Clippers level a few years ago Mm -hmm. when everything, you just don't even know. Like, there's so many different perspectives coming into the story. So it's even hard to tell who's even telling the truth, like, who's getting the most accurate information. Well,
3: last I had seen, Popovich was going to be in LA to meet with him, like, you know, a few days ago. Did
4: that ever happen? Yes, that happened last Tuesday in uh, San Diego. They they met. just – there was no actual like – you know, there was no uh, contract negotiations or it was just more so just to finally meet face-to-face. ESPN reported that that Kawhi had purposely been been trying to avoid Popovich in this meeting, but you know, we, we don't know if that's factual or not. That's just based on their reporting. But yeah, they actually did meet face-to-face. Uh, the Express News reported that there's no set date yet for a second um, face-to-face meeting between those two.
3: Okay, and I, I imagine, you know, Pop seems to have a, a charm about him that would probably, you know, if they did meet one-on-one, he would kind of appeal to a lot of different things with Kawhi. He probably could convince him to come back, I guess, but I don't know. What do you think? What are the chances of him coming back to the Spurs are for this year?
4: I mean, Spurs fans don't like to hear it, but I, I just don't think that, you know, it's it's going to happen based right now. They still have some time just because of the the, the timeline that they're on they you know free agency is coming next week it starts how, how do you build your team how do you even start these negotiations with pro, um, prospective free agents if you don't even know who if your best player is going to stick around or not now the spurs are saying you know out, out loud that they're playing the long game that they're basically have him under contract up until next season now there are some different dates here they can offer that supermax on a uh, july 16th and he, he has to october 16th to sign it so if they're Trying to go about trying to, to you know fix the relationship and then um, offer him that supermax. Well, then they have basically their deadlines October 16th. But if not, you know, then then you know you have the trade deadline in, in February. Do you even want to bring him into training camp if he's still unhappy and says he wants he's out of here in a year? So uh, for, from the Spurs for, from their from their perspective, it's really tough right now to see the situation that they're in, especially with how, how soon free agency is approaching here.
3: I hear you, and if, in fact, you know, if Kawhi ends up leaving, then it seems like it's a total rebuild mode for them. Was that is that fair to say?
4: I, I would say yes. I think I think a lot of us, you know, here in the media in San Antonio would say that. But Pop is, um, you know, still part of the organization where it doesn't look, it doesn't look like he wants to go down that road. I'm not sure that Pop Pop at, at his age. I think he's 69 years old. Uh, there's been reports that he might retire in 2020. Um, so I, I'm not sure that he will want to do a full rebuild. I think he will want more com- a few more competitive seasons before he, he uh, they go in that direction. So I would look at if they do have to trade him, getting some sort of impact player, uh, and then of course some future for some future assets.
3: Sure. Well, what I was thinking was if the Lakers really wanted to get him, and I know people have said, "Oh, the Spurs would never deal with somebody in the Western Conference or someone like the Lakers," which I, I just think that would be foolish uh, to have a complete a policy like that without ever looking at a deal, but. It seems to me the Lakers could easily offer someone like, you know, well, I mean, here's the problem with the Lakers is they're obviously trying to get LeBron. And the only way LeBron comes is, if I, my, in my opinion, is they would have to get Kawhi and Paul George to join the Lakers. And so what I would do there is who would, would the Spurs say no if the Lakers offered Ingram, um, you know, uh, Kuzma and a first round pick?
4: That's you know that if that if that's their last possible proposal, you know I think that they might have to do something like that. I, I don't think they want to. I think they're going to tr- definitely try to work with Boston or Philly first. Those are probably their two targets in terms of, of trading partners. Um, and, and, you know, you've seen that Philly's already put Markel Fultz reportedly on. You know, they had him on draft night in, in a different type of trade. So so they're already willing to to, to move Markel Fultz if they have to. So I think that the Spurs would definitely try to see what kind of assets they can they can pry from Boston or Philly first. And then at last resort, uh, maybe dealing with the Lakers. Because after July 1st, if they do trade Kawhi to the Lakers, they don't have to take in Luau Deng's contract. But that's still a problem for the Lakers side because of uh, bringing, you know, those three all-stars together. They wouldn't have the, the money to do that. Right. It's interesting because I just can't picture anybody else
3: offering uh, that good of a deal. Uh, the first-round pick might not be that great for the Lakers if they end up getting LeBron, obviously, but it's still a first-round pick. And, uh, you know, like, okay, Fultz is a, a bit of an unknown. And, you know, when, you, when you're comparing that to, you know, to Kuzma and uh, Ingram, those are, just, those are just two guys in my mind that seems to me that the, uh, the uh, Spurs would be like, oh, we've got to have them for sure.
4: Yeah, no, no, for sure, and and uh, again, that that goes back to what's being attached at Bolts. You know, there's uh, there's there's reports that Dario Sarge will be included in so, some sort of deal. Uh, the 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 Sixers picked up that 2021 pick from Miami in the in the recent trade on draft night. Then you look at Boston and you ask, you know, what are they willing to to, to um, you know to, to trade Is, are they willing to trade uh jalen brown's contract with a few more or are they willing to maybe move gordon hayward or Kyrie irving so so there's all sorts of i i really think that san antonio would definitely engage first with philly and boston and then at last resort uh work with la and of course they'd want um uh, Kuzma and and Brandon Ingram, the the tricky part for for the Spurs too is that Kawhi's basically his camp is basically saying that he wants to end up in L.A. and so you're right, where the Spurs won't get that much that that good of assets from Philly or Boston or whatever other trading partner, and he may just have to end up in L.A.
3: Right, and I just feel like the Lakers are under such pressure to get LeBron, and even though LeBron's at the end of his career, I think it's a no-brainer to get you know two most likely elite years from him before he really starts to fade, even though we're probably seeing some fading on the defensive end as it is. But, uh, you know, the star power and all those things would be too too much to, to ignore from the Lakers. So, you know, I, I think the Spurs would be foolish to uh, to not pick up the phone. And, you know, they could probably play a little bit more hardball. Maybe they get a third player out of that. They could probably avoid uh, to some degree any kind of rebuild and stay competitive and maybe even do well. So, what we'll to see. But I can't thank you enough, Paul, for coming on the show and breaking this down for us and giving us the complete up-to-date uh, what's going on with Kawhi. Yes, thanks, thanks, Coach Nick, for bringing me on. And then real quickly, uh, what's your, so what are the odds right now if you had to put a percentage on whether he stays
4: or not? Uh, I'd say I'd say 60% he's gone, 40% he's staying. Well, there you right go. Now. Well, that's Paul Garcia, the Spurs beat writer for
3: ProjectSpurs.com, and uh, we'll have to find out how accurate that is as we progress in the summer. And don't go anywhere, sports fans. We'll be right back after the word from our sponsors, and this is the B-Ball
1: Breakdown. It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SV Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick.
3: So there you have it, sports fans. An action-packed episode is in the books again. And to seal in our practice, let's review what we went over. So we talked with Paul Garcia about the Kawhi situation. And it seems like it's definitely 50-50 that they're going to trade him. Maybe a little better than that. And I don't know. It definitely feels like uh, the Lakers have the best thing to offer for them. And I think they should take it. So we're going to have to find out what happens there. Then we had Dave Dufour coming on talking about LeBron. I think everyone is pretty clear that he's going to leave Usually in those situations when they don't say, I love Cleveland, I want to die here buried in a Cleveland uniform, then that means they're leaving almost every time. And we certainly haven't heard anything different from LeBron's camp uh, to indicate that he wants to stay or wants to you know, be buried in a Cavs uniform. So be ready to watch out for that. I'll have a great video on where you should go, so stay tuned for that over on the YouTube channel. Uh, we also had Jeff Diepenbrock talking about Kyrie Thomas out of Creighton, who I think is going to be a nice addition to uh, the Pistons there. And he, he played three years in college. is already very nicely um, uh, developed with uh, Doug, uh, with Coach McDermott there. And then Omari Spellman out of Villanova, a guy we've seen a lot in the, uh, in the um, tournament this past year, and he's got a ring on his finger. So he's going to be an excellent addition to the Hawks, who are rebuilding. And he should get plenty of opportunities to play and fit in. So, a lot of great stuff. Don't forget, over on the YouTube channel right now, we have a top three steals of the draft video. And we went through some really important players there that really, I think, we're going to help. And one of them is Michael Porter Jr who no one's really seen much at all. But if they can get anything out of him and he develops even after a year or so of that back injury healing, then, man, at 14th, it's a great steal for them. So be on the lookout for him and seeing if he can get on the court at all this year and be effective. And and as we go forward, he's got a lot of skill, a lot of athletic ability. So look look out for him. So, uh, listen, I can't thank you guys enough for coming on the show and being part of this every week. It's been a terrific ride the last 19 weeks we've been doing this. Wow, it's pretty crazy. So, uh, again, don't forget to check out everything over on our Twitter handle as well. We have a lot of great stuff. I bought a good video, quick video analysis there every day, and a great conversation where we go back and forth and talk to people and answer questions and argue and whatnot. Because, well, after all, at Be Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You win.